Hey, welcome to another Gary Wilson podcast. I'm so thrilled you're here with us. We hope you've been enjoying the last few months with us, particularly as we've been studying the Trinity and also the attributes of God. Uh, I've been spending the last uh, 18 months uh, writing a book on the attributes of God, and uh, <laughs> I'm only on like chapter three. There's the, It's so vast a subject. It's such an amazing topic, and I'm just learning more about the glory and transcendence of God. Uh, just before we introduce our guest, I'm thrilled about today. It's uh, We're going to get uh, down to some real practical stuff. Uh, uh, some issues that we talked about in the past here on the podcast about uh, some of the things that God really cares about in our personal life, our our fitness, our health, our well-being, and uh, how that affects our ministry, how that affects our our mind, our uh, energy levels. And so I do that. Before I do, uh, just a few things about World Challenge. I, I very rarely do this, but we're entering our 50th anniversary. Uh, I have not been around World Challenge that long, but pretty close. And uh, we have this podcast, the Gary Wilkson podcast, as well as you can sign up if you go to our website, www.worldchallenge. You can sign up for a daily devotion. That's been a, a rapidly increasing uh, opportunity to minister to people as more and more people download that uh, daily devotion comes right onto your phone or whatever um, app you'd like to, um, other, other place you'd like to have it on. A newsletter comes out once a month, uh, a sermon and plus a some insights in some of the missions work that we're doing. And then the newest thing we'll do, and then we'll get right to the podcast interview. Uh, the newest thing is Faith Answers. Um, it is it is a um, uh, apologetics for a new generation. Uh, the, the director of it, um, uh, State Evans, states that uh, the things that people used to go to universities for to do uh, apologetics uh, now is like is almost like needed to be said on a middle school level, like sixth and seventh graders. Uh, need to be hearing things. They're questioning about their genders. They're questioning about creation. Questioning about uh, a lot of issues about God. So apologetics now has moved more from the university level. That's certainly important to keep it there. Uh, but now uh, in the middle school, high school level, and so Faith Answers is a, um, a talk that gives you. Uh, it's on our website uh, under content, and you can find out some real good stuff there. All right, now we're gonna get to the good stuff. Uh, we have with us Simon Lennox today. Hi, Simon, thanks for joining us from Ireland. Hey, thanks for having me, great to be with you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, it's a little, I'm interviewing here in my morning, and if, if I sound stupid or unknowledgeable about anything, it's because I'm really slow in the mornings, and it's, it's morning here in Colorado, and uh, probably late afternoon there in Ireland, is that correct? Yeah, that kid in suits me at 4 p.m. I start to dip. So if I'm slow, that's why. <laughs> We've got a, a, a 14 month old, her first, and she had a bit of a crazy party in the middle of the night. So that also adds to the, the slowness of this afternoon. But I'm energized to be with you and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, nothing like two guys talking about fitness and some other things yeah. uh, to be tired and worn out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, I'm really, I'm grateful to be past the, uh, the uh, children. Uh, I have grandchildren, but uh, my kids are all gone and married. And uh, uh, so I, but I remember what it's like to be in a, a busy ministry and a lot of responsibilities and then have the young ones at home. So that's a, I have a special place in my heart for you. Yeah. So. yeah a lot of people tell me uh, it disappears so quickly. So uh, you're trying your best to enjoy every minute in these early stages, but at the same time, my goodness, it can be uh, tiring as your time is simply not your own anymore. But um, yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Are you? Were you born and raised in uh, uh, Northern Ireland? 
Yes, uh, born in Belfast and I've always lived in the northern suburbs of Belfast. I um, spent three years studying in England and then had one year in the US, lived in San Antonio, Texas with my wife a few years ago okay. uh, before we're returning back to um, Belfast. Yeah, so very similar weather patterns, uh, San Antonio and Belfast, right? <laughs> no. Oh, man, it's such a contrast. Like the day we arrived, it was 100 degrees, and we couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like, we appreciated the sun. We don't get a lot of it here. Yeah. It's, it's, it can get overcast. But then after about five minutes, we were sweating. Yeah. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been, I've had the privilege of being in Belfast uh, four or five times. I've done some pastors' conferences there. And worked with a ministry called Teen Challenge. There's a just outside of Belfast. There's a, a program for helping those who are addicted to drugs uh, wow. get get free from drugs. And so I've been out there a number of times as well. And uh, wow. so first time I was out there was in the uh, '80s, and it was a bit of a uh, the troubles were not quite uh, having having finished their completion. Uh, I don't know if they're ever be complete, so to speak. But uh, uh, at the time, it was uh, you know they were taking me around to some of the Protestant areas, Catholic areas, uh, met a number of people that were had uh, you know been involved in the violent end of things that had gotten saved on both ends of the uh, spectrum, and uh, yeah. it was great to see what God could do in the midst of such turmoil. And uh, I, I know things have settled down now a bit. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, firstly, thanks for coming to this country. A lot of people tried to stay away from it, but appreciate <laughs> you coming over and um, capturing the story, seeing it firsthand. Just the, the darkness and the, the, the troubles that where the, that period gets its name from. I, I was born into it and uh, through my teenage years, coming out to the other end of it, where, where there has been relative peace since uh, some political agreements in 1998. But it still lingers on. It will gradually move and transition out as the generations are born through it. But it's, it's um, still complex, still quite tender. Uh, but yes, it's a it's a far different country today than it was in the seventies, eighties. Yeah, yeah, and, and then you know, like like any country, you develop out of one form of trouble and usually into another. You know, and I, I have followed a little bit of Ireland. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe the, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, you know, mm. the the, um, the potency of the Catholic Church, keeping sort of the moral fiber strong in, in the nation, uh, seems to have. Uh, uh, diminished to, to a large degree. I don't know if that's happening up in the north, but uh, you know mm-hmm. we follow the, the abortion laws and stuff in in the Republic of Ireland, and it seems to be uh, you know the conservative biblical history of your nation seems to be nations seems to be changing. Is that happening in your area as well? Oh yeah, it's very similar across the island. Of course, both countries have very different histories and issues and dynamics going on, but. Yes, it's become increasingly liberal. Like Northern Ireland, perhaps, was one of the like a last bastion of light holding on to some of those conservative, evangelical, biblical values. But gradually, they're getting eaten away too as the the tide of secularism uh, beats it down a bit more. But there's that. That said, there's still shining lights of of believers all over the place, scattered here, standing firm in the truths of the gospel and holding firm to the hope of of Christ. And influencing at all levels of society, but in general, yes, it's a different uh, place, different spiritual challenges in front of uh, believers. Yeah, yeah. The um, but if you don't mind me taking a few minutes, just to go back a little bit into your history. I was I was intrigued by uh, we Americans. You know, whenever we hear the word Oxford or Cambridge, we 
you know, we have our own Ivy League and we feel pretty good about it, but uh, you know, we really feel like, you know, oh, no, okay, now we're talking about Oxford and Cambridge, you're really talking about the most elite and the specials of mind, uh, special minds. You, you were, a, you're a graduate of Oxford Theology, is that correct? Yes, that's right. I read theology uh, between 2005-2008 at Oxford University. I was never groomed for it, but I worked very hard. It was others who noticed potential in me and advised that I should apply. So I went for it and they accepted me. And it was a, a wonderful three years, a great privilege to study there. Beautiful city, yeah. wonderful professors, amazing churches there and uh, amazing people just to rub shoulders with from all over the world to have some fascinating conversations. Uh, yeah. So I uh, enjoy my time there immensely. Yeah, wonderful. Is that, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the, I know the reputation of Oxford, but I don't really know about, you know, I know the seminaries here in the United States, obviously, which ones are conservative or biblical, biblically based and which ones are the liberal. Uh, where would Oxford uh, land on the spectrum of conservative, liberal, Bible-believing or uh, sort of uh, freewheeling it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, again, it's a collegiate system and it largely depends on which college you want to read theology and then which professors or which subjects you select when you're there, when you're doing the undergraduate um, degree. Uh, I was based in one of uh, seven PPHs, they're called, Permanent Private Halls. Okay. And this one in particular uh had just started taking in undergrads, but it was largely to train uh, vicars of the Church of England. Okay. Uh, so I was surrounded definitely by uh, evangelical Bible-believing Christians in the Church of England, much older than I was. So it was quite a, an experience <laughs> for an 18-year-old stepping into that. <laughs> um, and the other undergrads were from all backgrounds, and, and most of the time you, you were with um, students in the other colleges and access to the professors in other colleges, but in terms of where I was based, it was even evangelical. But you would have the spectrum of, of uh, professors, uh, some who are strong Bible believing, others who are much more liberal and would reject the supernatural claims of scripture, um, but yet just be fascinated by the Bible as a, a piece of phenomenal literature of, of history rather than it actually being something that's living and breathing and pointing to the truth of a supernatural realm. Hmm. Wow. And were you, uh, were you interested in becoming a vicar in the Church of England, or you just happened to be in that uh, field? Well, I'm the son of a preacher, man. Uh, oh, yeah. So I grew, I grew up in a church plant in Northern Ireland. Uh, my dad was a languages teacher in high school. I was called by the Lord to uh, start a church plant with a number of others. And so I was born into it. Um, my, my dad, week in, week out, and others preached the Bible faithfully and relevantly and have centered everything in the word of God. So what started in my, my garden with 12 people is now about 700, 800 uh, people. And uh, I'm indebted to it for my own spiritual formation of all those people that um, inspired me to, to keep staying true and faithful to scripture. And keep my eyes in Christ that way. And so uh, that was a, a wonderful upbringing, which was certainly put to the challenge when I entered Oxford, when many people thought differently, I have to say. Uh, but so when I was there, being exposed to other church backgrounds and people who were called by the Lord to lead churches across the country was fascinating for me as an 18 to 21 year old. And if the Lord 
once made pastor church leader church one day uh, of course i will obey i will follow but right now he, he has me uh, providing some bible study tools and another ministry for the churches yeah yeah my wife and i uh, have planted several churches uh a matter of fact uh, being that you were living in england and in northern Ireland, you would you i'm sure you would know about this but uh so we moved to London. We were going to plant a church through our ministry here. And uh, the first week we were there, I was pushing my son. He was probably two or three years old at the time uh, on a swing set in a, in a garden of a Anglican church. And an older man walks out and he's pushing his granddaughter on the swings. And we ended up start talking. He said, what do you do? And I said, well, we're here to do church plan. He goes, oh, I'm the vicar of this church here. And he said, please come in for some tea. And we sat down and talked. Uh, ended up being Sandy Miller of uh, Holy Trinity Brompton. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And so uh, long story short, he ended up inviting us to, instead of planting on our own, uh, to do a church plant out of Holy Trinity Brompton uh, in Earl's Court. Uh, with It was a comb- combination of Youth with a Mission, World Challenge, and uh, Holy Trinity Brompton. So, uh, yeah. So, but I said I said that to say uh, my son, you know, uh, like you, brought up around church plants. And uh, I asked him one day, I said, would you like to, you know, would you like to be a pastor? He goes, you know, he said, Dad, I really love the church. I just don't like the people inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be hard on kids, you know, in a church plant or young, young churches stuff. So I don't know if you experienced any of that or not. Yes, I, I did. Like you were thrown right into the middle of it from the beginning. And the positive side, you had lots of people coming in and out of your home. And I loved that as a kid and all sorts of characters and learning from them. But you also see firsthand how difficult it can be for someone to pastor a church with all the issues and challenges and potential of divisions and disagreements and everything that comes with the community of people gathered together. A bunch of, of sinners saved by the grace of God. And uh, th- that certainly uh, presented some difficulties. Uh, but ultimately, um, I threw myself into it and, and not only received a lot of investment from others, but also uh, gave back at the right time to get involved in all the ministries. And, and that that helped me just by being part of it from the start. And I in, enjoyed it immensely. Mm, well done, man. Well done. And your dad's still pastoring there in that church? He just retired just a few years ago. So okay, he, yeah. he's in, still involved in uh, Bible teaching. And writing now, and now he's investing in uh, people like myself, up and coming Bible teachers in the church. There's a there's a Bible teaching team there, so uh, he's enjoying being at the other end of it and able just to give all that God's given him in his his final decades. Yeah. So, and what's the church called? It's called Glen Abbey Church. Glen Abbey, very good, excellent. Well, if anybody's listening and you're going to be visiting Northern Ireland, you know where to go to church now. Glen Abbey sounds wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so you came back from Oxford to Northern Ireland, and uh, you began to get involved in uh, ministry pretty, pretty much right after that. Or did you do some business work too? Didn't you? Yeah. Well, after university, I loved studying theology, but I, my head was stuffed uh, with information, with knowledge, and I needed to find a way to exercise it or to see that the gospel work in people's lives in reality and. So I need to balance out all the study for a while. So I jumped into uh, youth work in a local church there and, and, and enjoyed that a lot, working with 15 to 18 year olds. Uh, learned a great deal. But then after a while, I thought <clears throat> there's a lot of people come to this local church and I really don't know what they go through on a Monday morning through to a Friday. 
So I I felt drawn by the Lord into the a, a different workplace, and I could have jumped into anything, but uh, an opportunity came up to enter into finance for four to five years, and impact investment in particular, uh, based in Belfast, but led to traveling uh, throughout the UK and across Europe. So enjoyed that exposure and meeting people from all backgrounds and faiths, and. Um, uh, but the, uh, in that time, I also learned a great deal of about business. And um, towards the end of that, I started a fitness company. And uh, the, the the original goal of that was to train forty plus year old business leaders. Mm. Uh, I was I was rubbing shoulders with them all the time. They were so busy with their family, with work. They're so experienced, so sought after, and often the last thing they think about uh, is their own personal health and fitness. So. Um, I set that, that up to uh, do the thinking for them, and that got sent me off into the the fitness entrepreneurship world, and uh, enjoyed that a lot. Excellent. Well, that's a that's an important world, whether it be the business leaders like you're talking about, or you know, in in, in the world we're in now, you and I, uh, you know, it's the Christian leaders that really need to hear this message of of fitness, of the way we eat, the way we. Uh, move our bodies sometimes or or you know, the problems of, with the lack thereof and uh, you know a, a recent study was done uh, by duke university here in the united states in with the pastorate and they found i think they said a close to over 70 percent of uh, pastors are either overweight or obese in the united states um you know and so that's uh you, you know you can't you can't continue a faithful effective ministry when you know, the, the, the problems of uh, lack of fitness, you know, uh, you, you know, better than I do. I'm sure the, the, the brain fog, I don't know if you use that phraseology and yeah, yeah. okay. A brain fog, a fatigue, uh, loss of concentration, the, uh, uh, and then the, the physical sicknesses that come to, you know, pastors having to take time off from the pulpit because of, or business leaders, as you were saying, take mm-hmm. time off from the pulpit because um, various ailments uh, one right after another uh, bombard the body. And so, it's an important topic. Um, you, you, uh, tell me your you, uh, you, tell me your take on it. What what are you trying to do? Um, you, you're a certified uh, fitness uh, leader. Plus, your this this is a passion of yours. Uh, tell me more about it. Yeah, like uh, I I love the fitness industry as a whole. Um, I, I played sport my whole life, um, particularly football, uh, soccer. Soccer. Okay. Yeah. Or I thought it called I thought it was called football. It is, but I quickly said soccer there just so I'm trying to as well. <laughs> I, I, I love football, um, played it um, for like 12, 14 years and loved the training aspect to it, loved the community aspect, et cetera, and the discipline and the competitiveness. And um, in my early 20s, I started to get really into personal training uh, myself and I couldn't believe the impact, not just on my body, but on my mental health and other areas of life. Um, but what, what really got me excited was the interdependence and interconnectedness of training your body, training your mind and spiritual fitness and the, the requirement of discipline for each of them and the impact of, that one had on the other. And so th- that philosophy um, really excited me just to dig into from a biblical point of view and what the Bible has to say about looking after our bodies, about mental health, and especially about our faith in Christ being trained and built up. And uh, so that was one side, like the, the theological side of it. But then 
when it came to uh, talking to other people, I couldn't believe how easy it was to discuss matters of faith with uh, not just believers, but especially non-Christians, because they were they were coming to me because they wanted to change something. Yeah. And it was quite emotional, whether it was their, their parents or, or maybe especially 40 plus year olds are thinking more about their spouse, their kids, their grandchildren, that maybe they've got some illnesses due to not looking after their bodies well from the past and they've got to do something. And so asking the question, like, why do you want to get fit? Uh, went a lot further than just, oh, I want to feel better uh, or I want to be able to work longer. It started to dig deeper into naturally, like seamlessly. I couldn't believe how easy it was to go deeper into why am I here? What's my purpose in life? What happens to me when this body one day fails? And so in terms of sharing my faith and evangelism and engaging with the fitness culture, I find it a remarkably easy way to do so in a natural way, a normal way. I, we both, in, like from talking to somebody, we both enjoy fitness, want to make a change. And suddenly we're talking about other areas of fitness, not just mentally, but spiritually. So for both of those reasons, I thought I would love to jump in. The fitness entry was something different that was professional, but yet had a very fervent spiritual mindset and mission attached to it. And so that, that's what got me excited ever since. Yeah, yeah. The um, so the, the the areas you've just discussed. Let's break them down a little bit. The first one being, uh, you know, the biblical um, encouragement towards towards uh, health, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the faith element of, of that. You know, a lot of I think a lot of Christians maybe maybe I'm mistaken, but I, I, I sort of get the impression that many believers feel like. Kind of like they do with the earth, you know, it's 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 going to blow up, you know, and it's going to be gone. And so, you know, who cares about it? So, you know, I'm going to be going to heaven, have a new body. So I don't really care about it. So there, there seems to be so almost like a negative view of, uh, in, in some quarters anyway, of, of physical fitness and healthy eating, healthy lifestyle. Uh, so, but it, you're, I hear what I hear you saying, this is a biblically, um, there, there's, there's biblical precedent for this, correct? Yes, definitely. Um, and in my experience, going back to mid twenties, I uh, trained uh, religiously. Uh, I, I loved the that's uh, called Beachbody, um, but it's um, that's the company. But they created a product called P ninety X, which is I think was very popular in the, the US and it probably still is. The Tony Horton, etc. And I, I absolutely adored it. You know, I, I built my own garage gym. I had the flat screen TV up. I bought all the equipment. I had the calendar. I ticked off every day. When it says, did you follow nutrition? I took pride in saying, yes. I, I uh, through blood, sweat and tears, transformed my body, got it cut up, etc. in a positive sense. And at the end of it, I, I just thought, okay. That was a lot of hard work, but it, it's not necessarily bringing all the, the joy that I thought it would bring. You know, w- w- what's next? And so when I did P90X a second time, I wrote um, the words from 1 Timothy 4, 7, to train yourself in godliness for physical training has some value. So I love the fact that the Bible endorsed physical <laughs> training, called the Timothy's like happy days. But more than that, it says, but godliness training has value, holds promise in all things because it holds value for this life and the next. So that connection between this life and the next, the endorsement of physical training and the strong application of needing to, your faith doesn't just happen. It doesn't just grow by itself. You actually have to do something about it, just like physical training. And so 
Um, the, the first of all, it was the transfer of, of discipline across both of when it comes to physical training, we've, we've, we, we develop all sorts of wonderful habits and disciplines that immediately, in my experience, apply to other areas of life, especially when it comes to cooperating with God and the work of his spirit in your life and devoting yourself to the training in scriptures and setting up similar plans throughout your week and your month. And uh, so that was one line where I thought, wow, physical training, that is one area of value. It teaches you a lot. It it transforms your character. It gives you skills and tools. So when it comes to the spiritual training, it can become that that bit um, easier. Um, But it's also the connection between uh, this life and the next. I think it matters how we live and and not just because we belong to Christ and uh, now then we, we must live a certain way and turn into a moralistic mindset but actually how we live here does do something to our experience of what we enter in the next life and so the, it's the the second peter one aspect of that rich entrance into the kingdom of god and the encouragement there to add to your faith which i find mm-hmm. fascinating from a character it's character almost like the church is like a spiritual gym of developing character traits, Christ-like character traits, and that requires work, just like when it comes to physical training to develop parts of your body or to prevent certain illnesses, that requires work. So I kept seeing these biblical parallels all over the place as well in terms of how the Bible, the New Testament, uses training motifs right across it. Um, in fact, just uh, the, the, the reading this morning of the famous words in Hebrews uh, 12 of r- running the race. And even that uh, t- tells me a lot. There's a lot to learn from the physical fitness journey that applies to the spiritual fitness journey and that race that marked out before us, that Christ leading the way, the perfecter of our faith. You know, he's not finished with us. We have, we've got to, we've got to run, we've got to move, we've got to go. And then mm-hmm. ultimately, Gary, God has given us these bodies. We are made in his image. We're fearfully, wonderfully made. These are amazing bodies. And while we can and where we can, we've got a responsibility to look after them. And to negate that, um, for me, is is wrong. And whatever we can do uh, to look after them and, and train them is very important and glorifying to God. And so that that also... Uh, is a big uh, that goes right back to the basics genesis one we have these bodies we've been given them they're a gift we've got to look after them and train them yeah are you involved in a ministry in such a way as to help people train their bodies um, so that uh, the, the spirit can be as alive as possible yeah so i um well i started uh breakfit which is that, that personal training with business leaders which then morphed into a larger community initiative run out of a, a church building and so mm-hmm. I, I thought this might be a, a phenomenal way for the local church community to engage with um people in the surrounding uh, communities and uh we had s- small group personal training sessions plus classes of all types in in a building where people meet together to worship God and the same place people are meeting together to train uh, physically and uh, that was a wonderful way for relationships to be born for bridges to be built with local community for natural conversations to be had and ultimately to 
demonstrate and teach and, and by example show the church that this is part of our spiritual worship to actually look after what God has given us and there's so many wonderful impacts that come out of it yeah so it's called break fit is that still is that uh is there any access to that in the United States or is that more in in Europe that was more more in Europe and uh, with the pandemic um, that certainly brought everything to a halt. So we're in this little hiatus and looking at what we do next. We've got the model uh, and we'd love to see that uh, push out across other communities. You also were inspired by the idea of, of holding fitness classes to, to help their own people get fit, but also as a way to engage with local communities because it, it crosses all cultural divides and brings people together from all backgrounds. And again, the conversations naturally move towards deeper spiritual ones once relationships are built. So I just think it's the fitness industry as a whole just needs this sort of Christ light in it, representing biblical values of people who also care about training and enjoy it, but are also uh, living for an even greater and bigger purpose that goes beyond our bodies, which will one day die, but continues in the next life. And there's bound to be exercise in the next life. You know, we're going to have resurrected <laughs> bodies. So <laughs> uh, that, sounds, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd almost be disappointed if there wasn't some form of uh, uh, activity. You know, and, uh, uh, yeah, and, you know, when I was young, I, I, for some reason I thought, uh, my, I guess my theology has changed to some degree because I used to picture heaven being, you know, sort of up there in the cloudy, realm uh but now i see you know the new heaven and the new earth uh and and have it coming down to earth and a new jerusalem and so it's, it appears to me that we're actually going to be on a on a some form of a physical planet uh with with yeah. you know, glorified bodies but yet they're still bodies um and so yeah I, I would you know i mean i don't know if you like to run or not uh that's that's my least favorite out of all the fitness activities that i did um, and, and I have biblical precedence for that, by the way, if, if, if uh, why not, you know, it's good to work out, but maybe not so much jogging because the Bible says in Proverbs 28, one, only a fool runs when no man is chasing. So that's, <laughs> my, that's my escape clause for that particular, uh, field. The cardio is the hardest for me, uh, especially as I get older now, but anyway, uh, you know, so yeah, I agree with you. I think we're gonna, uh, this is, this is who we are and, you know, we're, we're going to still be talking and singing and thinking and, and the fellowshipping, so why not, uh, you know, having activities that are, and sports and things like that would be fun. Anyway, um, so what, what do you, I'm sorry, were you going to comment on that? Or? No, uh, just agreeing with you that some people might think that once we get there, just like I sighed there, it'll be like a big, ah, we're done, earth is over, now we just chill out for the rest of our lives, but no way. Like we are being, the whole life is is training for what's to come and we're going to be doing something. We're going to be uh, working. We're going to be involved in, in Christ's administration of the universe. And therefore, w- what we do with the time we have to develop the skills, the character by the power of the Holy Spirit in preparation for that just increases our capacity for what we will enjoy and do in the next life. And I think the more we think about the reality of the spiritual realm and the reality of the eternal kingdom, the, the better uh, for us in terms of making the most of this life now. And it goes back to that first Tim four, seven, that just always inspires me that uh, physical training, Simon, it's a value. Go for it. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to look after the body I've given you, but godliness training 
or, or in other words, training to reverence God well or put him first in each and every area of life. That is not just going to hold promise for this life, Simon, and all your relationships and all you're doing. But believe me when I say it's going to have an impact and a, a value for what's to come that God is preparing for us. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.